0: Our scripture lesson today uh, is actually the lectionary text for church all around the world uh, as we begin this first Sunday of Lent. Uh, This is about Jesus' temptation in the wilderness, and this is the beginning of the 40 days between now and Easter. And so this is our first reading together. Let's share in God's good word together. Jesus, full of the Holy Spirit, left the Jordan and was led by the Spirit into the wilderness, where for 40 days he was tempted by the devil. He ate nothing during those days, and at the end of them, he was hungry. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Amen. You may be seated. If you have your sermon notes, I invite you to take them out. We continue our Love Does series between here and Easter. We look at all the sorts of things that love does. Over the first two weeks, we look specifically at relationships, and today we want to move deeper into the love of God. And what does it look like for true love in this world, and what does that have to say to us today? So as a way of introduction, uh, over the last two weeks, we were looking specifically around marriages uh, and primary relationships, and what we remember is this, that marriage reveals problems, it doesn't create them. Will you say that with me? Marriage reveals problems, it doesn't create them. Uh, we bring those things into the marriage, and they're simply revealed. Uh, secondly, uh, we want to just remind ourselves as we uh, come and look at what love really does, is that it's more important to be the right person than to find one. Amen? Amen. Read that with me. It is more important to be the right person than to find one. And this is really good news because you can make your relationships better by simply becoming healthier yourself. Uh, You don't both have to go to marriage counseling. Uh, It's good. That's a good thing, Uh, but many of us can really improve the relationships with our spouses, with our bosses, with our friends, with our children, simply by becoming healthier in our own person. And then finally, as we look at becoming the person Christ is calling us to be, uh, we remember this, that aging is inevitable, maturity is optional. Will you say that with me? Aging is inevitable, maturity is optional. We're all going to get older, um, but not all of us are actually becoming uh, more and more like Christ. Not all of us are becoming uh, more mature adults. So, uh, with that behind us over the last couple of weeks, let me say this, happy Valentine's Day. Happy Valentine's Day. Um, so we're going to look at what real love is. Now, and, and one of the things that's confusing about us, uh, particularly Valentine's Day, in America we have one word for love. You know what that word is? Love, yeah, that's a simple one. Okay, but in Jesus' day, there are all kinds of words for love. I want to lift up three to you. Um, the first is the love that you have uh, around Valentine's Day, romantic love, eros. It's where we get uh, our word erotic from. This is, you know, largely what we celebrate. Now, again, I'm not here to tell you that one of these is good and the other ones are bad. No, eros is, is great for marriages. I mean, that's largely how you choose a spouse. You fall in love, you have romantic love, this is good. But it's not ultimate it has to be in its right order. So there's nothing wrong necessarily with Eros in its proper place. Uh, secondly, Phileo. Anybody uh, happen to know the city on the east coast that has a name after that? Philadelphia? Yeah, that's why we spelled it like that. You can spell it with an F as well in Greek. Um, but Phileo is the kind of love that you have for a brother, right? Philadelphia, the city of brotherly love. Again, nothing wrong with Phileo. That's a great kind of love. And, and the Greeks at the time would make differences between this. But then... When we talk about God, we come to the final word, which is agape. Will you say that with me? Agape. Now, this is a love that is self-sacrificing. The cross is the perfect uh, metaphor for this. We see a God who would choose to come to us and give himself for us. This is self-sacrificing love. And when Jesus talks about God so loved the world, this is the love that we're talking about. It's a deeper, beautiful kind of love. Um, that is stronger and outlasts when eros leaves or when phileo leaves agape stands they're all good they're all important but when jesus when we talk about god's love we're talking about agape something deeper and more beautiful than the things that the world simply has to offer and so when we come into our relationships we need to understand this that every relationship faces temptation every relationship and um, one of the things that the early church taught us is that you can't really run from temptation. Uh, they tried. That was part of the monastic movement. They would, they would go out into the desert, and they would uh, be in monasteries or convents, and they would say, oh, if I can only get away from temptation. But you know what the desert fathers actually wound up saying about that? It says, if, if you've got temptation, don't leave. It'll follow you. And, and many of you all know this. So you've had a, a problem in your family. You've had a problem uh, in your marriage. And so uh, what do you do? You move towns. You know, you say, oh, well, it's going to be better if we just live someplace else or we get a new home or I get a new job. And then what do you find a year later, six months later, two years later? It's the same thing in a new town. See, you can't run from temptation. Temptation is, is there for everybody. Every relationship has temptation. Um, in, in the early church, um, and we have these even today, uh, there are the seven deadly sins. These are things that can get out of hand and can take us down. Uh, anger, unmitigated desire. Right? We all have desire, we all have passions, but when it's unmitigated, that's the problem. Greed, sloth, gluttony, envy, all these things lead to death. Every relationship faces temptation. And not, not every temptation that comes your way is going to be you know, these big, dark, ugly you know, temptations. Sometimes temptation just looks like this. You know, you're driving along, you're like, well, wow, that'd be fun, right? <laughs> you know, you're like, that's a bad idea, right? But at the moment, you're like, man, I've always wanted to try that. Um, The ladies are like, we're not trying that. But the guys are like, that would be awesome. How do you think that ends? Not well. See, that's the thing it is with temptation. It always looks great on the front end. It's not so great when you actually live it all the way out. And that's one of the the keys to actually beating back temptation is allow yourself to take a moment and think it through. If I actually take that ramp, what happens? Well, you know, hospital bills are in in your future. Right? you got to take it all the way through. And so Jesus actually teaches us how to pray about this. When the disciples came to them and said, teach us how to pray, temptation was a part of that prayer. We pray it every week here as a part of the Lord's Prayer. And so in Matthew chapter 6, uh, the greatest teaching by the greatest man who ever lived on the Sermon on the Mount, uh, Jesus teaches us to pray like this. Lead us not into what? Temptation. But deliver us from the evil one. Now when we, when we pray it here in church, we just say from evil. Uh, but when Jesus taught the disciples to pray, he actually personified it. He, he says the evil one, that there is a force out there that's working against your life. God is always for you, but also, uh, there's also a force that's against you. And, and, and Jesus calls that out. He says, we need to pray to, for God to deliver us from the evil one. And, and this is important, because sometimes when we read this together, we think, well, does that mean that God does lead us into temptation sometimes? No. No. Jesus brother James makes this really clear to the early church. He says this he says when tempted no one should say God is tempting me That's not God's role. God is for you God is good for God cannot be tempted by evil nor does he tempt anyone. So does God tempt you? No, no God doesn't tempt anyone James says but each person is tempted when they are dragged away by their own evil desire and enticed Don't be deceived my dear brothers and sisters now This enticement is really what we're talking about with temptation. This is the thing that we need to understand. God doesn't lead us into temptation. We allow ourselves to be in temptation when we linger. That's the important word, linger. Because temptation comes to all of us, right? Friends, you cannot watch TV and not be tempted. That's what advertising is. It's to entice you. It's to tempt you. But... You can let that go on by, because temptation is all around us, always, every day, right? You can let it go by, or you can linger. So if you see something that's very enticing to you, you can either let it go by, or you can pause it and rewind it 30 seconds and linger. Do you see the difference? And that's what the problem is, because when you linger, then it's starting, you're getting in the danger zone, right? It, It... Dallas Willard puts it like this, temptation never leaps upon you. Uh, I love Dallas. He's one of the wisest men I've ever met. He was in his 80s when I studied under him. And he said, friends, you just need to understand, temptation never leaps upon you. And as only an 80-year-old grandpa could say, he goes, it's more like she'll be coming around the mountain when she comes. That's how she said it. It never leaps upon you. It never le- And that's really important. Uh, because sometimes people, when they get in trouble, uh, they will... They will flat-out say to me things that are are, are just they just astound me um i'll I'll say well well you know how how did that happen and they're like it just happened it just happened you know um it it just i don't know what happened it just out of the blue it just happened and i'm thinking no no that that doesn't happen you know when i walk down the street i've never had somebody run up and kiss me ever right That's not how that works, is it? No, somebody sends you a text, and you can either let it go, or you can respond. So you send a text back, because it's interesting to you. You linger. Then they send you back a text. Send back another text. Then you're another step in. Then they send you a photo. And you're like, wow, that's interesting. I wonder if we want to meet. And then you meet. And then, you see, it doesn't just happen. You understand this? Anybody who says, oh, this horrible thing just happened in my life, it's not true. It's absolutely not true because to be enticed is to be lured it is to have yourself um, being fished right that's all we're talking about right and and there's all kinds of different fishing isn't there see this you know what you call this at the very end a lure have you all ever been lured scripture says that the devil prowls around like a lion to see who he can lure and then devour see it's valentine's day see this is it's so pretty. And it has a little gold thing right down here. But you know what's hidden underneath the gold piece right here? A hook. Or that's what you would call the catch. Have you ever seen something looked really pretty but you knew there was a catch? A hook. That's what it is. So some of you all, it's Valentine's Day. You like M&M's? Yeah. See, you just put that right there on the hook. And, you just, and there it is. And you entice anybody enticed for my, my M&M's? Yeah, and you're like, now, Mark, you're just being silly. I don't even like chocolate. the Devil says that's fine. I know you don't like chocolate. How about uh, Skittles? (laughs) Skittles better for you? You know, you just let it go by, and I just, I just leave 'em out there for you, You whatever. He said, no, 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 I don't like that kind of candy. You know, I, I'm, I'm just hungry, and that. That won't satisfy me. What satisfies me? Oh, Snickers satisfies. <laughs> and it's just like you just you know you're just trolling. You're just trolling, trolling. You know, Snickers. Yeah, you know, just right. You're like now that's not even good for you. Everybody knows that you know you don't you don't do that. I mean, come on. You know. But have you ever had something that you really needed? You know, when you kinda you just needed something to help like like maybe a hundred dollars. Right? Cause you really need, I mean you don't need the MMs, but man, you could you could use some money this month because you got the credit card bill from Christmas and it just hangs out there. See how this works? And the devil just does that all day long to you, right? On the internet and Um, You know, in your home, and at your work. You can work a little longer because you need a little more money. And you see how that works? Just right there. But what's underneath the M&M's, friends? What's underneath the $100 bill? A hook. Have have any of y'all fished? It's violent when they get hooked. There's nothing until they're hooked, right? Nothing. But once you get it hooked, it's set, and then it's on, right? and it's violent, and it hurts, and it's too late. Now, don't anybody get my $100 bill. It's making me nervous over there. All right, if I took that out of my stash at home. I need it back. All right. Enticement. See, it never leaps upon you. It just hangs out there. Right? right. So what, what I'm asking of us today is not that, let's not be silly. You're going to be tempted. Everybody's tempted. So the question is, what do you do about it? So, so we pray this. God, help us recognize temptation. Let us see it for what it is. Let us see the hook. Show me the hook. Let me not be deceived, because that's what the devil does. is He just deceives you. He says, oh, this will be fine. You can get the money without the hook. You can get the candy without the hook. You can have the relationship without the responsibility. No, there's a hook. You may not see it yet, but friends, it's there. Because what does a good lure do? The fish are what? They hide. And the lure is to get you out of hiding. It's to bring you out in the open so that you can be devoured. So will you pray this prayer with me? God, help us recognize temptation and give us a way of escape. See, that's the great news about God. He loves you so much that he always gives you a way of escape. And friends, if the Lord gives you a way of escape, take it. Take it. Now, here's the other thing, just so that we don't get off page here. We're all going to fall for temptation from time to time. And the important thing to remember is that God loves you anyway, and he will bring you into his arms, and he will love you, and he will bring you home. So don't allow shame to blow up your life. If you've made a mistake, okay, fine. God knows that. He knows everything about you. So let that go on by too. Let the shame go on by you. You don't have to hold on that the rest of your life. Okay, I fell for it. I needed some money. I needed some candy. I got hooked. It was bad. It was very painful. Okay, we're going to let that go. We're going to let the shame go with it. Because all of us, all of us are tempted. And all of us will fall from time to time. That's not the important part. The important part is that God loves you and you can start over. And you don't have to fall for it the next time. Remember the pain. Pain is a good teacher. Remember the pain and say, no, I don't need it that badly because there's a hook there. I haven't seen it yet, but I know it's there. I know it's there. And so at the bottom line, the end of the day, it's this. The secret to overcoming temptation is that you simply love something else more. You love something else more. And that's what Jesus shows us in the temptation story. So I'm going to show you this little meme that I came across. There's a difference between thinking I want to, but I can't. And thinking I can, but I don't want to. And that's all the difference. Because you can't white knuckle your way through life. Oh, I really, 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 really want to, but I just can't because I wouldn't be a good person. Nobody's strong enough to do that forever. Your heart has to change. You have to actually love something more. Than the other and so you can say well surely I I Can I could do that But that's not smart that wouldn't be good for me I don't want to I don't want that in my life I want this In my life instead because it's more important It's more beautiful it's good And this is what Jesus does in in Luke 4 In the text for today Jesus Full of the Holy Spirit leaves the Jordan He was led by the Spirit into the wilderness where for 40 Days he was tempted by the devil Now you and I know uh, that in Hebrew 39 means 39 41 means 41 But 40 days means what? Long time. Long time. That's all it means. And he was tempted by the devil, so he ate nothing during those days, and at the end of them, he was hungry. Absolutely. Now, this is really instructive, friends, uh, because I want to show you where Jesus was. Uh, this is the Gideon Desert. This is where he would have been. This is a few miles outside of Jerusalem. Uh, it looks like this. If you were to look over to the right, uh, you'll see there's actually a scapegoat out there, and um, Chantel and I were there in April, and this is what it looks like. Uh, there's nothing out there. Imagine being out there for 40 days and 40 nights. And, and, and this is the important part. There's good times to fish and bad times to fish, right? Any good fisherman knows that you fish at sunup or sundown. You fish in certain places where the water uh, changes depth. There are certain places that you fish at certain times that you fish. And the devil knows that too. You see, evil waits until Jesus is hungry, lonely, and tired. Those are your blanks there. He's been out in the wilderness 40 days. Notice that the devil doesn't come to him uh, while he's having his big baptism experience. He waits until he's out and he's been in the wilderness 40 days. And he's hungry and he's lonely and he's tired. Now, if you were to go to a 12-step group, uh, they pay attention uh, to something called halt. Uh, They say, if you find yourself hungry, angry, lonely, or tired, stop yourself before you wreck yourself. Right? Halt. Now, this is important because, uh, guys, you understand this. If you've ever come home and your wife is hungry and angry, she's hangry. Red alert, right? Like, woo. This is, this is bad stuff. And this is the way evil happens. Um, we all know that when, when you feel like God's not doing his job, temptation is luring you away. When you're lonely, uh, when you're sick, when you're tired, When you're hungry, if you're angry. And this is why the Lord says to us, um, you know, eat. If you're hungry, friends, eat something. It's good for you. If you're angry, forgive. If you're lonely, be in group with your small group or, or with a friend or make connections. And if you're tired, rest. That's why Sabbath is so important. When you get in these spots, friends, you have to halt. Or you're going to be lured away. Because the devil waits until the appropriate time when you're most vulnerable. That's the way that works. And friends, here's the thing that I want you to remember. If you've been to an NA group, an OA group, an SA group, an SLAA group, an AA group, these things are not a good idea. These things that they teach at the 12 steps keep us alive. Right. This is life and death stuff here, friends. This isn't, oh, I think I'll go to a meeting because I'm having, you know, I just want to have a nicer day. No. When you practice the twelve steps, if you're addicted and, and you need some help, these are the things that keep you alive. These are things that give you your life back. It's really important what we're talking about here. And so the, the scripture goes on in, in Luke 3, 4, 3. It says, if you are the Son of God, command this stone to become a loaf of bread. Now, you, you understand, Jesus is God himself. He is the creator of the universe, right? That's what John tells us. In the beginning was God, this Jesus. And the devil's poking him. He's like, oh, if you're the son of God. Jesus like, oh, I'm the son of God. You know, watch this. And he, he's playing on his tiredness, on his loneliness, on, on who he really is. And I want to show you the wilderness, how, how difficult this temptation really would have been for Jesus. Because all those stones, they're like little loaves of bread. They're everywhere. Jesus can see that. Maybe he's even somewhat, you know, um, you know having visions because he's so hungry because he hasn't eaten in over a month. And, and the devil goes, hey, you know, this is a good idea for you and for the world. Just feed everybody. Feed yourself. Any of these stones, you can make bread if you're really God, right? And look what Jesus says. He says, no, it's written, man shall not live by bread alone. He goes to Scripture. He doesn't try to outwit the devil on his own. He, He doesn't come into an argument. He simply goes back to the Scripture that has been soaked on his soul. He knows the Scripture forward and backward, and he says, no. God says, my dad says, man shall not live by bread alone. This is how Jesus responds. Now, at this point, I would love to tell you that that's the end of the story. Isn't it great? Jesus wins, and we move on. No, 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 no. Guess what? The devil picks up the lure, and he brings it by a second time. And this is, this is difficult for us because we like to think, oh, I beat back temptation one time, I'm good. No, no, no. Jesus is still hungry. He's still in the wilderness. And so the devil comes back by. See, in verse 5, we find that the devil is persistent. He's persistent. He comes at you again and again and again. And that's why you can't white-knuckle this stuff, friends. You can't just pull yourself up by your bootstraps and say, you know what? I'm going to do better today on my own. It doesn't work. Because anytime time you get... Hungry, angry, lonely, tired, depressed, hurt. You know, your marriage isn't what you had hoped it would be. Your children aren't turning out the way you'd hope they'd be. Um, You know, maybe a sickness has taken the life of someone that you loved. And that's when the devil comes at you. He doesn't come to you in 70 degree weather with the wind at your back. He waits. So the second time, the devil leads him up to a high place and shows him in an instant all the kingdoms of the world. And so if you were to go over just a few miles, you can go to a place called Mount Scopus, and and you can just look right over Jerusalem. You can see all of what would have been the major metropolitan area of Jesus' day. And the devil comes to him again. So the second temptation is about power and control, something that's still around today. Now, the devil says, all authority and splendor has been given to me. Is that true? No and i can give it to anyone i want to is that true no and then he says if you worship me it will all be yours you see it's all deception it's all deception but there's a hook underneath and so jesus answers again no it's written worship the lord your god and serve only him what what are the important words there friends only him now, again, it's, it's very uh, much in our culture today. Say, oh, yeah, you know, I like Jesus, but I also like this, and I like that, and I, I like this. Yesterday, I was at a meeting, and I heard a friend of mine say this. He said, you know, his first religion was self-reliance. And I thought, man, that is good. I wonder how many of our first religion is really self-reliance, and Jesus, you know, is our backup plan. No, 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 that doesn't work. It's written that worship the Lord your God and serve what? Only him. That's what Jesus says. He quotes the scripture. And and if that wasn't bad enough that he's hungry and he's lonely and he's, he's tired and he's out in the wilderness and the devil keeps coming at him again and again. The devil comes back a third time and the devil does this in verses 9 to 13. Now the devil leads him to Jerusalem. Right? That is the place in all the world. This is uh, the power point. This is the place that you want it to be. And he has Jesus stand on the highest point of the temple. Now you understand that he's at the most important city and the most important building uh, and the most important place that you could take him. Right? These keep building on themselves. And so now the devil takes him to the pinnacle of what Jesus has come to do. to, To be God and to save the world. Right? To save the Jews and then the rest of the world. And then he does it again. He says, if you are the son of God. Poking his pride, scratching his pride, like, you know, you got to, I've got this hook right underneath this, if you're the son of God. And he says, throw yourself down from here. Show yourself for who you really are, Jesus. You've been baptized, God said that you're his son, throw yourself down, because the angels are going to catch you, right? And it'll be the greatest thing, a whole world will know that you really are God. Now I want you to see this place. Uh, You can go to it even today. At the temple wall, um, you can see there are a few hundred people at the base of the wall um, there at the... At the um, big mount and so if you go to the next one you you look up and they've built the wall and then built more on the wall and built more on the wall and so you can see just how i mean this is like 20 30 stories you can see it from all over the you have the the natural change of elevation and then you have a wall on top of it and if you go to the very pinnacle of the very highest point uh, of the wall uh, that would be at the temple mount it's going to look like this and it's just, it's just this mammoth thing, and you could see there would be a real temptation because Jesus could just free fall, and then the angels would gather, and they would catch him, and all the world would see it. A real temptation. Uh, and, and then Jesus could do miracles, and he could help people, and, you know, he would not have to do all, you know, three years of ministry. He could just, you know, go out there, and here's the thing, all of us, all of us have this thing inside of us that we would really like you know, some fame, some, to be glory, to, for people to see who we really are, to see the good work that we really do do. You know, if the people could just see the people that we really are, wouldn't that be awesome? And that's really the temptation for Jesus. Hey, Jesus, show the world who you really are. And then the devil quotes Scripture to him. And isn't that interesting? You see, the devil's been quoting, Jesus has been quoting Scripture back to the devil, and now the devil takes his own, you know, strategy and uses it against him. So the devil says, oh, it's written, he will command his angels concerning you to guard you carefully. Hey, don't worry about it. The Bible says that God's going to take care of you. And this is what you need to know, friends. The devil uses scripture too, right? The devil uses scripture too. The the devil probably knows scripture better than you do, right? He's been around uh, for all eternity, right? Um, He's a fallen angel. And so the devil uses scripture too. And so sometimes, here's the thing. You want to do something, and you look in the Bible, and you figure out a way to get your way, right? You've done that. Many of us have done that. Like, oh, it's fine. i read the Scripture. Scripture says this. Hey, the devil knows Scripture too. Just because it's in the Bible doesn't mean it's for you to do. Murder's in the Bible. Doesn't mean you can do it, right? It's out of bounds. The devil uses Scripture. The devil knows Scripture. And and so sometimes what what we do um, is we think, oh, it's in the Bible, Oh, okay. Or, now this is what, how many, how many temptations is there with Jesus at this point? Three, right? This is the third, right? This has gone on for some time. The other thing that I, the, that I find uh, really interesting is that sometimes people will say, well, you know, I, this guy wanted to date me, but I thought it was kind of bad news, so I said no. And then like the next month, he asked me out again, and I said no. But like he asked me out a third time, so, you know, it must be God, I'm like, he must be a stalker, right? That's not God, that's a stalker. Just because it happens more than once doesn't mean it's God. Just because it's in the Bible doesn't mean it's God, right? That's all deception, and there's a hook underneath. Does this make sense? So you can't say, oh, because this has come back into my life two or three times, it must be the will of God. You can't say, oh, because I found this in the Bible, it must be the will of God. No, talk to God about it, talk to your community about it, and see if it's temptation or if it really is something that God has for you. We all have within us the struggle for vainglory. And Jesus beat back temptation, but only for a time. And again, I would love to tell you in this this sermon that 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 was it. Jesus, you know, the devil's going to come at you three times in your life. You're going to beat it back and woohoo, that's it. Is that how the story goes? No. No, look what Jesus says. He says, it is said, do not put the Lord your God to the test. And when the devil had finished all this tempting, he left him until an opportune what? Now at the end of Lent, we're going to come to Holy Week and we're going to remember that Judas betrays him on Wednesday. That's why the early church fasted on Wednesdays and Fridays. Wednesday because Judas betrayed our Lord and Friday's because of the cross. So make no mistake about it, friends. Temptation is constant. It comes to you whenever you are vulnerable and it comes to you throughout your entire life. There's never a season in your life where you just stop being tempted. The question is... Will you let it pass? Because God is for you. God has not forgotten you. God knows your address, and he loves you right where you are. And you will be tempted, friends. You will be, but it's okay. You don't have to worry about it. And Paul knew this in the early church, and so the early church was struggling with this, and so Paul writes to the church. He's writing to us. He says, so if you think you are standing, watch out that you don't fall. Now, because pride comes before fall. So really, the people most... At risk for falling are those who think they're not tempted. So let me remind you, you're tempted. It's okay. We're all tempted. And then he says this, no testing has overtaken you that is not common to everyone. Everyone. Everybody's tempted. God is what? Faithful. God is faithful, and he will not let you be tested beyond your strength. But with the testing, he will also provide the way out so you may be able to endure it. So God's not against you. He's not testing you. He's not hoping you're going to fall. He's not doing things to you to see if you really love him. No, 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 no. No, no good parent does that. He's a good, good father. Right? That's who he is. He loves you right where you are. And so when those things come in your life, just don't fall for it. Just let them go on by. God is faithful, and he will provide a way out. Take it. Take it, friends. And so, friends, as your action steps today, I want to invite you to do three things. You, know, you can do one, you can do all three, they're really helpful to you. The first of all, uh, let's recognize that Jesus is basically able to resist temptation because of scripture in his life. He so soaked his soul in the words of God that when things come to him, he goes, oh, well, that doesn't make any sense. I love God the Father more than I love power. I love God the Father more than I love being, you know, being hungry. I love God more than fame, fortune, power, all of it. And so the more you have God's word in you, the easier it is to resist temptation and to let it go on by. So, so that's first. Friends, even if you read 30 seconds a day, God so loved the world, God so loved the world, God so loved the world that he gave his only son, that, that'll help you, right? You don't, you don't have to make a competition out of it. The thing is, God's trying to help us. So let his word come into you. Secondly, here's a big question. Who will pray for you and for you, with you and for you when you're tempted? This is really important. Who can you call, or who can you talk to and say, you, you know, I'm, I haven't done anything about this, um, but but I think, I'm kind of thinking about that, and I thought I had, had kind of put that away, but it's kind of back in my life. Every one of us needs someone to be accountable to, and so guys, this, this is really important. We do this in our staff, uh, and those of you who've been in accountability groups know this about me, and so... Uh, if there, it works best if you have a guy and a guy and a lady and a lady, right? And so, in, in our world, it looks like this. You know, um, I'm doing my work, um, and some really attractive lady uh, hugs me in the receiving line, uh, and she lingers, right? Like I've let go, and she's still hugging me. Uh, one of the countabilities is Chantel standing right next to me. I'm like, get this lady off of me, <laughs> right? You know, right? You see this so so there's that accountability with your spouse. You need that kind of accountability You are going to be attracted to other people. You are going to have problems with money You are going to have problems with alcohol. You're going to have problems with substance abuse It happens you need accountability so that you say look, you know if i've refilled my prescription four times uh, And i've been well for a month You know you need to be in my business We all need that and I think it works best if it's guys with guys and ladies with ladies So who's going to pray for you and who's going to be accountable with you when you're tempted? And then finally, uh, and I've kind of alluded to this in the first two, what are three specific actions you can take when you're tempted? You need to know them. In the same way that when your kids are fourth, fifth grade, you make your fire escape plan. That's what we're talking about, right? You say, when fire happens, we hope it never does. But if it does, we're going to leave our rooms and we're going to meet at the mailbox and this is our plan, right? If the fire alarm goes off, this is what we do. And you need that with temptation. You need to be able to say to somebody else in your life, if you see me do this, this is what happens next. Does it make sense? And if you can make a plan, you're halfway home. Because you've recognized it, you're not falling for the lure, and you're much likely, uh, less likely to get hooked. Make sense? Temptation comes to us all, friends. The thing you need to know is it's not from God. He's for you, he loves you, and he's ready to welcome you home. He has a good life for you because he's a good good, Father. Amen?